0: Turn your Bibles this evening. We struggle not to keep you long. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 3, if you would please, in your Bibles. First Thessalonians chapter number 3. The title of our time together, An established faith makes for an effective work. An established faith makes for an effective work. First Thessalonians chapter number 3. We'll just read two verses, verses 1 and 2. We'll look at a few others as we go forward. Paul says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother, the minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you. Get that. To establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Here the apostle Paul is writing a letter back to a church that he had planted. Thessalonica was a large metropolitan city in the day of the Apostle Paul, located in the northern Greece area, the nation of Greece, in the area called Macedonia, if you're familiar a little bit with your Bible geography. Thessalonica in Paul's day was part of the Roman Empire. It was what was called a free city, in other words, it was part of the Roman Empire, but yet. It was ruled by its own citizenry, uh, and it was free to to do so by the Roman government. It was located on the coast of the Aegean Sea, and therefore it was a very busy seaport. It was also located on really the main highway east to west that day, so a lot of traffic. And out of these, out of because of these, it became a great hub for commercial work for agriculture for trade and it would often come through this particular city for political activity and so on in the region of Macedonia. It's said that in Paul's day the population of, uh, of this city may have been upwards to 200,000 people. It's a pretty good sized city. Today that city still exists It's pronounced a little bit differently, but it's the second largest city in all of Greece, with a population of upwards of 900,000 people, a large metropolitan area. It was on Paul's second missionary journey that he, along with Silas and Timothy, they first set foot in the city, Thessalonica. And for three weeks, they were there. And for those three weeks, they. The Bible tells us they went to the synagogue, and there they reasoned to the people, with the people, from the Scriptures. They taught the Bible. Of course, the Apostle Paul, uh, very much so a writer of the New Testament, but understanding that the people he was dealing with, he was speaking of, um, there would have been some Jews there. They would have understood the Old Testament Scriptures, and a lot of maybe what he was teaching with regards to the death, the burial, and the resurrection was new news to Many of these people. But nevertheless, he was preaching the word of God to them. If you'll go with me, hold your place and go into the book of Acts chapter number 17. We'll read just a couple verses here. And you'll see the establishment of this and what Paul was doing. Acts chapter number 17 verses 1 through 8. Verse number 1 of chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphibolus. In Apollonia they came to Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbaths reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, and risen again the third risen again from the dead, rather, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring him out to the people. When they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come thither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is none other king but this one. Their claim and what they were preaching, there is only one king. His name is Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city, when they heard these things. The Bible tells us that when Paul got there, that he started preaching the Bible to them. We're told out of verse number 4 that some of them believed. These were possibly, more than likely, Jews that some believed, heard the gospel, trusted Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us that a great multitude of Greeks also believed, Gentiles. Uh, Brother Roy Lowe, if he were here tonight, you pray for them. They've not been here this morning or the evening, but he... He would say to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And certainly there were Jews being saved, there were Gentiles being saved. And a few of the chief women, the Holy Spirit saw fit to put that in there. Uh, These were maybe some notable women, some wealthy, some of notoriety in the city, but they believed in Christ. Uh, Here you have the beginnings of the first Baptist church in the entire city of 200,000 people. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to think about. The first Baptist church in a city. Wow. Encourages me. Wouldn't you like to have some fruit to your account out of that group, that first group that went there? The first gospel preaching church that had been planted. And God was working. God was doing great things. And God was moving in among the people. But understand, whenever we find God doing His work, mark it down. Be sure you'll always find the devil and his crowd doing his work as well. You'll always find it. Maybe in your journey, even coming to here in the preparations that you've made and the decisions that you've made to be at Candid School this week, and God is working in your heart and God is doing something in your life, but in that process, you've also recognized That there's been an enemy trying to discourage and distract and keep you uh, heading out the door. Everything breaks. And and this goes wrong and that goes wrong. Anytime God's working, the devil's not far behind. The devil always opposes the work of God. Verse number 6 said that these early Christians were turning the devil's world upside down. (laughs) Turning the devil's world upside down. Uh, They were making it right, in other words. It was already upside down because it's a devil's world. It's a a devil's society. And when Jesus comes in, he makes it right. He fixes it. Turning the devil's world upside down. These early, new-born believers were on fire for God. And the gospel message was going out all over the city. And people were getting saved. This thing was literally exploding. But the devil and his workers... Are never far behind as we mentioned in the Jews which believed not the Jews which believed not moved with envy. Uh, that word there simply means jealousy. They were jealous that people were turning to Jesus and they were losing their influence and their popularity, losing out on some giving in the synagogue so this is this is this belongs to us, so they were moved with envy, jealousy. And they set the city in an uproar. Their method of stopping the gospel was, as it always is, was spreading lies. Causing confusion. The devil always works that way. He spreads lies and he causes confusion. Paul was keenly aware of the spiritual warfare that was all around. He was, uh, this spiritual warfare was constant. And as his consistent and constant as the spiritual warfare was in that day when God's working it's still in our day. There's a spiritual warfare going on all around us. First Thessalonians, if you'll go back with me, look at chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea... Are in Christ Jesus. For also. For ye also have suffered like things. Of your own countrymen. Even as they have of the Jews. Who both killed the Lord Jesus. And their own prophets. And have persecuted us. And they pleased not God. And are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. That they might be saved. To fill up their sin always. For. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Here, are these people, they were, they were trying to keep people from coming to the Lord, trying to keep people from coming to Jesus. And, and the wrath of God was kindled against, against this kind of crowd. Paul, along with Timothy and Silas, had been run out of town by that so-called religious, strict Jewish Orthodox crowd. And and Paul had made his way to this time to Athens. But after a time when things had settled back at Thessalonica, he, he never forgot them. And he always had them on his heart and on his mind. And so after things had settled down a little bit, he sends Timothy. Paul stays back in Athens. He's by himself. And he sends Timothy back. And he sends them for the purpose to strengthen... And build up this infant church that they had planted. This is where we pick up the story as Paul relates to it to us in chapter number 3 in verses 1 and 2. Notice the word out of verse number 2. I won't take time to read it again. But notice the word establish. Establish. That seems to be a theme that's found out of particularly this book and throughout the book of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, the word established. We find it again in verse number 13. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the becoming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. We find it again there. We see the idea of it out of verse number 3 of our text. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. The idea of being moved. Not to be moved is that to be established. So we see it there. Uh, He's writing and he's sending that these people might be established in the faith. Verse number 8. That you stand fast in the Lord. Again, the idea of not moving and of being steadfast is to be established. God's plan for your life and my life is that we be established, is that we stand fast in the faith, that we're always abounding, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 18, be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is God's plan for your life. It's God's plan for my life. We'll be steadfast, always abounding, going forward. In the work of the Lord. Colossians 2 and verse number 7. Rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith. That's God's plan for our lives. These were new Christians. And they were dealing with. We see out of verse number 3. They were dealing with afflictions. Out of verse number 5. They were uh, being tried by Satan. They were being persecuted. If you look at second. Thessalonians, hold your place and go to Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verses three and four. 2 Thessalonians, chapter one, verses three and four. We are bound to give, excuse me. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. For your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Uh, They were going through some hard times. We in our day and we think that we are dealing with hard times. We really don't understand persecution. We don't understand persecution in America. One day we may. But I think of all those who are being persecuted. I understand being told even in China that uh, the Three-Self Church and the Chinese government. It's an outright persecution against the believer. Seeking to stamp it out and to get rid of them. And it's not just one place. It's in many, many places. Maybe the place where God's called you is a place where those things are there. But regardless if there's outright persecution, there'll be persecution from Satan because there's a warfare. Listen, with regards to this my idea of being established, whether you're a new Christian or if you've been a Christian for 40 years, there's a need for us to be established in the faith. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. There's still the need to continue to be established. I see too many professing Christians wandering from the faith in the midst of trials. Things come. Things get a little hard. We start doubting God. We start talking as though God doesn't love us, as though God has forsaken us. Next thing you know it, we've dropped out of church. One thing or another, no longer caring about ministry and just things just go off the rails. Doesn't matter how old we are, we still need to be established and strengthened. Something that goes on every day in our life. God told us, God told us that in this world you shall have tribulations. But then he followed up with, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. We're going to have troubles. We're going to have some trials. We're going to have some difficulties in life. We live in a fallen world where our bodies are fallen. The older I get, the more I realize that. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. First Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. There may be a night, but the day is getting ready to appear. In other words, when you withstand trials and hardships of this life with faith and in faith, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. He's worth it. Ofttimes times the days seem long. Our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur in despair. But Christ will soon appear To catch His bride away, all tears forever over in God's eternal day. Understand, there's no night. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So, bravely run the race till we see Christ. Paul wanted this infant church to run the race bravely until they see Christ. Run the race. To be established in the race. Notice how he did that in just a couple of thoughts. Notice, notice what he did. First of all, out of verse number 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Number three. First of all, he sent them a man. How do you help establish them? He sent them a man, verse number 2. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. To establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. He sent them a man. Every Paul needs a Timothy to help him in the work of the ministry. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Every church ought to be seeking to raise Timothy's. Many of you are here today you've surrendered to go to the mission field or some area of service. you're that Timothy that an older individual a, a seasoned pastor or one that'd been in the ministry for a number of years, helped you along and encouraged you and 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 taught you the faith and and maybe you just simply watched his faith day in and day out. Timothy was a young man. Who had proven himself to be faithful and proven himself to be dependable. Timothy had replaced John Mark when he turned back. John Mark turned back in the hardships of the missionary work. And look at Paul's accommodation of young Timothy out of Philippians. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2 with me if you would please. Philippians chapter 2 verses 19 through 24. Look what Paul had to say about young Timothy. Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. Here he's writing to the church at Philippi. Here again, his right-hand man. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care you. For your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's, but ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently. So soon as I shall see how it will go with me, he's in prison, but he's still doing the work of the ministry. He sends Timothy along. But I trust in the Lord that also myself may come shortly. We see the accommodation of the young Timothy. Now he had proven himself. Listen, God is still looking for young Timothys. Who he can send to strengthen the brethren. Young men. And let me also add, praise the Lord for you young ladies. I believe god establishes and puts a leadership structure in order in a local church i believe that's bible the bible teaches that you young ladies who are going as single ladies praise god for you can i tell you what a shot in the arm you are to say i'll just go serve the lord i'll just go serve the lord alongside a pastor and his family a church planner. To love them and come alongside and be a blessing to them. Praise God for you. God's looking for young ladies. God's looking for young men. And I, I just want to say thank you for being willing to go. But God's still looking for these young men and young ladies to strengthen the church. That he might send. That God might send to strengthen those young believers. And those even older believers. There are lost people that are all over the world need to hear the gospel preached. They need a Timothy who will go preach it. There are Christians in nearly every nation of this world that needs a Timothy to encourage them. One who will go. Timothy was a faithful companion. He was a brother in the Lord. He was a minister of the gospel. He was a fellow laborer in the gospel. He was sent to establish and to comfort them concerning their faith. When you get to the mission field. I dare say that God will put path, people in your path that need encouragement, and also you're going to need some encouragement. God put people put Timothy's, Paul's in your path. They'll encourage you along the way. Can I just tell you this evening the fact that you're here this evening, and I, I I'm speaking. Oh, a big way to those who are here as candidates. But I just want to say that to our church. The faithful members of Lakewood Baptist Church. You encourage me. Just by being faithful. Just by being in your place. Teaching a Sunday school class. Being in the choir. Running a van. Picking up children to bring them in. To hear the gospel message. Oh what a great encouragement you are. He was faithful. He was dependable. A great need for Timothy's who were sold out, separated, and then sent out. Paul sent them a man to establish the church. But notice, not only did he send them a man to help establish and to build the faith, but Paul also wrote them a letter to establish the church. He wrote them a letter. If we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. He wrote them a letter. He says, out of verses 3 and 4, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you. We told you before that we should suffer tribulation. Even as it came to pass. And you know. He says we told you. Paul had written them a letter. And that letter is establishing the church. Believers are built upon the word of God. Not only does God have men. Men. And ladies who will go and establish the work. But the work is established through the word. They can't be separated. You take this Bible out of the pulpit, you have nothing to say. You become no different than, than some of the other organizations and, and things out there of this world. But God's given us a message. Believers are built upon the word of God. Romans chapter number 16. Let me read you the verses. Romans 16 verses 25 through 27. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Which was kept in secret since the world began. But now is made manifest. Manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations the obedience of faith. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. These are the words of God. 1 Thessalonians, Paul reminds them of the words that he had already taught them. He warns them of the afflictions that are coming. But it seems as though maybe they had forgotten There's no substitution for the Word of God. It won't take time, but if we were to go back to Acts chapter number 17, we would see what Paul was teaching them back there as he was establishing that church. The Bible says that he reasoned with them. He went to the synagogue and he reasoned. In other words, he discussed the Scriptures. He just talked Bible. There's a lot of things we can talk about. You can't exhaust the subject of the Word of God. I just like to be around people that just like to talk about the Bible. I like to talk about doctrine. Never bores me. I like to talk about theology. I like to talk about the latest book that maybe came across your path that encouraged you to greater walk with the Lord. I like that. Never bores me. When Paul opened up the scriptures, he reasoned. He just simply discussed The Bible, he opened the Bible, it says in that passage. In other words, he explained its meaning to them. He just simply said, this is what the Bible means right here. You ever had somebody just say, this is what this verse means. It'd been a help to you, amen to that. He just said, this is what this means here. This is what the Lord is saying. This is what God meant when he penned the words back in the Old Testament. He reasoned, discussed it, he opened it, he explained the meaning of it, he alleged. In other words, the scriptures, he gave evidences for it. (laughs) This is why the Bible is true. This is who Jesus is. He's not in the grave, he's alive, he lives forevermore. Jesus saves. You can have your sins forgiven and have heaven as your home. He gave proof. And the proof was his changed life. He preached. He proclaimed the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what's needed in this world. That's the thing that will make a difference in this world. Paul sent them a man, Paul, to establish the church. He wrote them a letter to establish the church. There was... The need for one to go, Timothy. There was the need for the word to be taught, the word of God. All of these help establish the faith of others. But I want you to notice out of verses 9 and 10 of First Thessalonians chapter 3. Not only did he do these things that Paul sent and Paul wrote. But he also prayed. He also prayed. Look at verses 9 and 10. First Thessalonians 3. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day pray exceedingly that we might see your face. And might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Paul also sent prayer to them. He sent prayer to them. The going and the preaching must be bathed in prayer. It has to be. Paul gave thanks to God for them. Paul offered exceeding prayer, much prayer, night and day. You know, possibly, just possibly, our greatest hindrance to the ministry is our occasional prayer. Not our exceeding pray. Maybe it's our occasional pray. We pray when we have to. We pray when we get a pinch. You get into a pinch. We pray when there's a need. But we don't pray exceedingly. Paul prayed exceedingly, exceedingly. The idea, the word idea, and the word there is super abundant in praying. Wow, super abundant in praying. Sometimes we do good to have a 10-minute prayer session. Run out of words to say to God. Just help us to open up the Psalms and just pray them back to the Lord. Recall some of the promises God's given us and say, thank you, Lord. Grab a hold of some of these things. Bathing the Word and bathing the preaching and the going in prayer. Paul prayed that they would be perfected in their faith. He prayed that their faith fail not. He prayed for their love to abound. He prayed that God would allow him to soon go back to them and to go see them face to face. Prayer is the muscle that moves the hand of God. God works through exceeding prayer. It's convicting to me. I'll be honest with you. Convicting to me. God sent a man. God sent a man to preach the word of God. God sent them with prayer. Excuse me, Paul sent them with prayer. Forgive me. Lastly, to establish their faith. He reminded them that Jesus is coming again. And in light of that, they needed to have a life of devotion. He reminded them that Jesus is coming again. And they needed to have a life of devotion. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. It would be good maybe just simply pray, Lord give me a love for that fellow that I don't really like. Or that fellow that don't really like me. That your love may abound toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. That's going to include me. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Establish them because Jesus is coming again. And because Jesus is coming again, we need to have a life that's devoted. There needs to be a daily expectancy of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think maybe we have forgotten that. The old timers used to preach, Jesus is coming. He's coming today. We don't hear a lot of that preaching anymore. But he's still coming, amen, because he promised to do so. Out of that expectancy of the second coming of Christ, and out of that expectancy, we ought to have hearts that are established in the faith. There's an end that's coming. Jesus is coming, in all this issue of life, and all these struggles that we go through, and all the turmoil and the the drama. It's going to come to an end. But in the midst of it all, keep the faith. Keep uh, your trust in the Lord. Stay in the word. Keep going. Live in holiness before God. Increase and abound in love one toward another. How did Paul establish this church? Paul sent Timothy. Timothy's need to be sent. Many of you said, I'll go. Praise God for that. But there maybe there's some in this church say, I'll go too. I'll go too. Timothy's need to be sent. The word needs to be preached. Maybe someone here tonight simply says needs to say, I'll surrender to be a soul winner. I'll work at being a soul winner. I'll give a gospel tract. I'll talk to others. Again, may I say, all these things are convicting to me. Timothy's need to be sent. The word of God needs to go out. Prayer must be made. Maybe some here tonight just simply say, I, I'll spend more time in prayer. I'll spend more time in prayer. Oh, I can go preach. I got my Bible in my lab. Well, I need to spend some more time in prayer here. It's the muscle that moves the hand of God. I need to include that. got so busy that I've left off my prayer life in some regard. Prayer must be made. I'll spend more time. Jesus is coming soon. I'll live my life in light of that fact. There are people that are waiting for us to establish their faith. There are people that are waiting for us to give them the gospel. Whether you just got saved or you've been saved for 40 umpteen years, God has a work to do, and He wants to do it through you. I'll go. I'll tell others, I'll pray more, I'll live a holy life, because Jesus is coming again soon. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer.